Hi, everyone. Welcome to Domino's new podcast, Design Time, where we explore spaces and places with meaning. I'm your host, Jessica Ron Perez, Domino's editor in chief. Each week, join me along with creative visionaries who will share their journey to designing spaces that move you. We'll explore the emotional side of design, from the ritual of gathering to a mood boosting paint trick to the renovation tips that will inspire your next project. Home is the best place to start exploring personal style. How do you shape your world from the inside out? Let's discover now on Design Time. At Domino, our team is obsessed with good design that actually functions for our lives, especially now. Each week, we'll share fresh styling tips and products we love, presented by our friends at Crate and Barrel. A buttery leather sofa is the ultimate living room centerpiece. Made for sinking right in and kicking back for relaxing movie nights and Sunday afternoon hangs, Crate and Barrel's Gather Sofa adds warmth to a room while still looking effortlessly cool. Style with marble or brass accents for a modern touch, or pair with vintage wood accessories for a layered look. Plus, I love how the brown leather develops a soulful patina over time. While most sofas show their wear with use, this investment piece only gets better. This week, I caught up with Domino columnist Sarah Sherman Samuel. As the cover star of our first renovation issue last winter, Sarah takes design it yourself to the next level. She can turn inexpensive materials into design gold. A graphic wall hanging doubles as a discreet TV cover, and a painted striped ceiling in a kid's room becomes a work of art. Sarah is also behind successful collaborations with brands like Semi Handmade and Lulu in Georgia, and has grown a loyal Instagram following where she shares cool projects and the funny mishaps that come with being so hands-on. Her family home in Grand Rapids, Michigan is her most personal project to date, an 80s postmodern ranch fixer-upper that's now an oasis of clean lines, layered textures, and an appealing, welcoming color palette. We chatted about her epic renovation, her earthy meets modern aesthetic, and the key to creating a calm and functional space. I can't wait to share my conversation with Sarah with all of you. Hey, Sarah. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I want to talk about how you got into interior design. So you were, you have a graphic design background. Right. So I did it. I did not go into school for interior design Mm -hmm. for the sole reason that my older sister was going to school for interior design. So I was like, well, I can't do what Beth is doing. No, I get it. (laughs) That's your 18 year old logic. So then I moved to a job at more that was product design. It combined product design and surface design. So I was creating the patterns and then marrying it to product. And we developed a line for Target. And it was just me and the owners at first. And then we grew and I became creative director. And I was there for five years. Near the very end of it, I started my own blog because we bought a cabin back in Michigan. Oh. And then we were renovating that. And we renovated the cabin all ourselves with my dad's help. Then I started getting inquiries about can you do this for my house and and so that's when I started getting freelance design clients and then I ended up leaving that job to start my own product line and do design full-time 
You are an incredible interior designer. Your family was living in LA. Where in LA were you guys living? In Venice. So you guys were in Venice and then you kind of, when your daughter was born or before she was born, you decided you wanted to move and get more space. Yeah. It was like the day we found out we were pregnant, we were like, okay, we're going to have to work on getting a different house. And were you kind of ready to leave LA at that point? No. At first, I we actually worked with an architect to get um, plans moving to build a second floor on our on the house that we had. And we got through the rendering phase and loved it. But then we realized it was going to take so much longer than my pregnancy would be. Right. We'd be in a rental house with the newborn there, which we ended up doing anyway in Michigan. <laughs> I started just thinking about and getting too stressed out. So we were like, I think moving somewhere into a new house would be easier than trying to renovate. Mm-hmm. And and we had put offers on other houses in LA. We put an offer on a house in Austin, Texas. <laughs> We've looked at houses in Nashville. But then when she came, that was when we were really like, okay, we just, we got to get out of here. This is not yeah. working anymore. And so you landed on Michigan. You decided you wanted to be closer to home. Right. Yeah. And also the house itself. I'm so, <laughs> at that point, it was like, I just want to make a home in a mm-hmm. home. I want, I wanted a grown up house when mm-hmm. that was bigger. And, but you wanted a project, right? You yes, wanted a project. Yeah. Yeah. You wanted something you could really put your stamp on. Yeah. And make our own. So you found this house built in what the 80s you said right yeah 1980 and like you love the bones of the house right it's kind of a ranch postmodern ranch style house right exactly except it it does have two floors like from the front it looks like a ranch but then from every angle you look at the house outside it looks like a completely different house the roof lines asymmetrical and it's, it's kind of crazy so when i think of your work i do think of it being very much driven by shape. You know, you have an amazing way of working with angles and lines and rounded edges. And really, I think that's that's very much something that I associate with many of your projects. And I think that's what makes a lot of your spaces so welcoming is just the sort of harmony of all those shapes together. Was there something that appealed about, about your house in particular and, and the architecture? Yeah, I am really drawn to graphic forms. I think a bit of that is because of my graphic design background, but also sculptural, like the house itself feels sculptural. And I like furniture that's sculptural, things that move around and it looks good and different from different all different angles. So the exterior was that where it had all the different views, but then inside there was also this incredible five foot round skylight that's right over the family room. So you really had to think about how the rooms interacted with each other, not just each individual room, but how all the spaces are really working together. Yeah. The flow for me, that's what, or always what I look for is the flow and the natural light Mm -hmm. and the ability to get more natural light. One of the things I love about you is you're just not afraid to pick up a hammer, to take things on that seem to other people to be like extremely intimidating and scary and over our heads, let's just say. But you, I guess you were raised with that. Your your dad really helped you with 
your current home that you're living in, right? And and I guess the the projects before that. But is that something that you really grew up with? Hundred percent. My dad is like the jack of all trades, but actually a master at most all trades too. Um, he's an engineer, a computer network engineer by trade. But we for a while there, we would move every three years just to build a new house. So he'd build a house, live in it in three years, and then sell oh, it. Oh wow! Wow. He would act as general contractor, which he did just on the side of his full-time job. Amazing. He had his own woodworking studio. He, I was definitely surrounded by, you just figure it out. <laughs> so I think that that does inform a lot of your work because you come to projects with really the attitude of like, let's figure out how we can do this. Or a design challenge becomes like a really interesting opportunity. You have this incredible ability to not see like obstacles as really challenges, but really as opportunities to come at it with a really creative solution. So how do you think about a project when you're kind of first walking into it? I heard you say you kind of mood board the house or you you create the the kind of dream scenario and then you consider budget. So you think about all the possible things that you might want and you go from there. Can you talk a little bit about that? Right. Yeah. Constraints of any kind are kind of exciting. It's basically like figuring out a puzzle, but it's like my personal favorite thing, <laughs> personal favorite kind of puzzle. But yeah, when I approach a project, I first look at materials more than anything because I feel like materials and textures and fabrics are and finishes tell such a story in a space, and they're the most important of what a space feels like in the end. So I start out playing with the materiality without a budget in mind. I love that notion of, okay, enter a project and really dream. And then from there, you really work into your budget. So I think that is such a good tip for anyone is to really think about what is your dream? Like what is your vision for anything you've seen, whether it's on Instagram or in hotels or restaurants or in your travels, like what would be the ideal for what this could be? And then you work backwards from there. Right. Yeah. I think that goes along with the mentality. Well, let's figure out how to do it. Because if you're limiting yourself, if you see this incredible table, that's X amount of money that you'll never be able to afford. You just put it out of your mind. Then I think that's a disservice because there's different ways that you can accomplish a similar look, a similar vibe okay, you don't have that table in your space, but maybe you find a side table that has the same material that that brings that element into the space. So anytime you're inspired by a piece of furniture or a sculpture or painting and it's something that really speaks to you, I'd put it on the board to try and tell that story visually and then sell that to a client. The power of good design is that it can help us create spaces where we truly feel our best. And I think one of your most spectacular talents is your ability to visualize and realize spaces that might otherwise feel chaotic or have the potential to feel chaotic. And you kind of imbue these spaces with an incredible sense of calm and kind of effortless cool, like your family room or, you know, frankly, your pantry, which feels (laughs) like, you know, a place you actually really want to hang out. What are some of your secrets for creating calm and order in this space? I'm laughing because of the pantry has been my safe, my safe house. Totally. (laughs) Like I go in there in the mornings and 
that's where I'll hide from my kids if things are getting out of me. <laughs> going, there's snacks. It's nice. I'm like, sometimes maybe I'll just have my tea in the pantry this morning. <laughs> there's snacks. There's tea. There's water. Yeah, that's everything no one can I need. You. Yeah. <laughs> just close that pocket door. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. There's quite a few things I think that go into it. One is always having a connection to nature because nature is so grounding and calming in and of itself. So you can get that with materials again, like stone, wood, leather, linen, wool, any kind of natural materials. I think it automatically starts feeling more comfortable and calm. And a mixture of textures, right? Nubby wools or smooth leather, you know, how those things all layer together. I think that does channel the natural world. Yeah, exactly. And then color palette wise, like earthy colors can also feel very calming. And, and then of course, bringing in plants are always nice. <laughs> Can't have enough plants. For a living room, I think scale of the furniture is so important. Like really to fill the space with furniture that is to scale of the room. So oftentimes I'll see a lot of small furniture, like just tons of pieces of small furniture to fill a big room, which that ends up kind of looking cluttered and not peaceful. <laughs> so I'd almost prefer an extra long sofa if needed. You're very good at using large scale pieces. And I think that's a really nice tip because I think for some reason people are afraid of big furniture. Yeah. Well, I think so that goes to another one of my tips is leaving ample space around the furniture. Mm -hmm. That also goes for walls as well. Like I like, I mean, to have some blank walls and clear space so that your eye have, has a space to rest. Um, but yeah, you're not a big gallery wall kind of person. Right. And yeah. Yeah, giving art room to breathe, furniture room to breathe, because it also gives your eye space to rest and your body free space to move around, which mm -hmm. is calming. Mm -hmm. Like if you see stuff crammed together, you're going to feel more confined. But to think about when you're looking at a space to think about, okay, what am I trying to achieve? Like what's comfortable to me? But rather than say like, oh, I need a sofa and two chairs and a settee and a coffee table. And because that's just how, you know, rooms are meant to be designed, but really like, what do you want to achieve? And like, what is comfort to you and yeah. what feels good to you? Exactly. That's what I was exactly going to say. I think so many people are stuck with what a room is supposed to have that they can't look past that. Same with layout too. They'll push their furniture up against the wall, have the coffee tables here, this, but I love rooms like our family room where it's kind of asymmetrical and there's smaller tables placed about. I think that's a really good tip too. Like don't be afraid to kind of float furniture in a space. Exactly. And give it space to move. Yeah. So you can move around it. And also getting, if you're in a tight space, having multi-use furniture instead of having multiple pieces of furniture. Think of the function that you need, but also think of the mood that you're trying to achieve. Because exactly. I, I mean, I'm very much like I live in New York City. My life is very busy and chaotic. Like for me, it's so important that my home feels calm and really like a place that people are going to want to come and stay a while. Right. So therefore, yeah. I have a lot of low furniture that like 
really, yeah, it feels loungy. It encourages people to sit and stay, to sit on the sofa or sit on the floor and, and really gather. Yeah. A big project for you was your collaboration with Emily Farnham on Mandy Moore's Home. The great thing about that was, again, that, ho- that house was incredible. When taking on clients, I have to either be inspired by the house or the client. I mean, the magic one is both, which in that case, it was both. Like she was mm-hmm. dream client and dream house. And if I'm not inspired by one or the other, then I don't take <laughs> I don't take the job. That house, talk about natural light, was floor to ceiling windows in nearly every room and skylights. So it was the brightest, brightest house you could get. And then it was a mid-century Harold Zook architect, was the architect. So really beautiful lines. Right. Really beautiful lines. And someone had renovated it in the early 90s. I mean, the good thing that the renovation did do was it expanded the footprint of the kitchen, mm-hmm. which because mid-century homes, they had quite small kitchens. But everything they put in was very traditional. Granite countertops, bull nose edge crown molding and recessed panel cabinets and things you don't find in in mid-century homes for Mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. And same with the master bath. It had a round bathtub and it was, there was just a lot to tear out, but we did so much custom work. There was so much custom furniture. So we got to pick fabric for all the upholstery there. And then also a ton of vintage furniture that we reupholstered. Your audience just absolutely loves your work and the details and and really just are so hungry for sources from you. I think that that is <laughs> what's so incredible. I know it might seem so strange, but you really are a master at sourcing. Do you think that comes from the start of your career kind of working in furniture design and retail and understanding like sourcing and where you can get things and how you can change things to be more custom or in a palette that you love? Like, how do you think about that? Growing up, my mom just, that's the one thing I think we did together a lot was shopping. Our small city that I grew up in didn't have the stores you have in LA. It's like you TJ Maxx was <laughs> was the only store I was able to f- ever find anything designer. And right. you're familiar, you know, if you go in there, you have to dig. Yeah. So I think I just got incredibly used to the dig and the hunt, even just from being young and enjoying it. And loving that. And loving that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I don't like digging and hunting for clothes as much. Like I like, I go to my go-to store <laughs> for clothes, but for furniture, I'll dig and hunt for furniture all day long, every day. You, I think, I think you mix colors in a neutral palette in a really beautiful way, but you also have an incredible way of adding color in a way that does not feel intrusive. So, you know, introducing green or mustard yellow or, you know, really beautiful. I think the, the way that you colors work in harmony in all, in all of your projects is just very appealing. What colors are you into right now? And what colors generally make you feel calm? I've been, I've been really into ochre for like three years now. And <laughs> I looked at my closet the other day. I mean, my, our house is like all ochre and white, but I looked in my closet as well. When I started moving in my wardrobe, and it's like 
one whole shelf of ochre, one whole shelf of ivory. And then a few other colors. It's like, well, if I get sick of this color, I'm going to have to get a whole new wardrobe. Are there any <laughs> colors that feel like a more recent discovery? Um, well, I did use this color in Manny Moore's house too, but like a sagey green. So can you share a few ideas for kind of making the most of your budget? Because I, I did speak to the idea of kind of entering a project with fresh eyes and really being able to kind of dream as if the sky is the limit and then you work within your budget. But what are a few tips or materials that you kind of continually go back to that feel maybe elevated or more expensive, but are actually, you know, quite affordable? Well, one thing I say is never underestimate the power of paint. And I did this actually with my son's nursery in LA. I found a dresser I love, but it was too expensive. And so I got an unfinished one from Ikea and Mm -hmm. I basically did an Ikea hack, cut the legs at an angle. So it had kind of more mid-century lines, used brass hardware and painted it. And then it totally changed the everything about the dresser. It was unrecognizable from the beginning. So, because a lot of times if you don't find the perfect thing, you pass on it, but you find something that's almost perfect and it's in the price point. And if you can easily make it into that perfect piece. Exactly. So really embrace your palette. And if you can, you know, paint something to kind of fit into that palette, use paint in a higher gloss, which I think doesn't tend to make things feel expensive. Even the the dresser that you refinished when we were walking through your daughter's room, but even oh, the right. dresser that you finished. Yeah. So for hers, we were still kind of unpacking from our move. So I didn't have my spray gun and compressor handy (laughs) for the paint job. So I went to Sherwin-Williams and bought the quart of paint and then had them make it into spray paint. So into spray cans. And that's what I used to spray paint a dresser. That's so cool. So speaking of kids' rooms, how do you stay on top of keeping the kids organized? And what are some of your ideas for just elevated kids spaces okay well for overall house kids organization Mm -hmm. like our family room even though we play a lot in there Mm -hmm. we keep it barely to a minimum we have a credenza and it's like a nice furniture piece but that's the toy storage yeah which i think i would encourage people that you know toy storage doesn't have to be a toy chest it doesn't have to be Anything with a doors. basket, right? Yeah. <laughs> Anything with doors. And the nice part of this one, it's all low to the ground. So it's mm-hmm. like easy, accessible to them. And they're pushed to open, which I like because they're just like, I don't know, it's easy to get into it. I mean, I think that is a great tip because as I was just saying, like looking for dressers, they're not low to the ground. And that is actually quite counterintuitive. You want things that kids can access. So you're really showing them how to to put put their own things away, access what they need, all of that. Yeah, exactly. So don't be limited to kids furniture. Go with like lines that you, that you like. like. Yeah. And I say even for, even for kids rooms that goes along with everything I do in kids room. Like I love wallpaper. This doesn't have to do with organization, but (laughs) it has to do with elevating kids space is I love wallpaper in a kid's room. And still going with a refined palette. I'm all for color, but doing it in a more refined way, I guess. So I do want to touch on your recent 
collection for Semi Handmade, your collection of cabinet fronts, and specifically how you approach designing a new collection and collaboration because you've had so many successful collaborations. I mean, basically all of the products and collaborations that I've done have come out of necessity where I'm designing something, a space. I'm like, oh, I wish I had this. And of course I could get it custom made and do a one-off, but then obviously it's a lot better if I can get it made and and produce, if I can fill a hole in the market Yeah. with the semi-handmade ones specifically. That was the thing. And I was like, oh, I want this. So I talked to John, the owner of semi-handmade and was like, let's do this. I sent him drawings. I mean, I started out with sketch. I did even a Photoshop rendering and then line drawings on the, to scale on the computer to send to him. And yeah, and that was kind of where I was born. What I love about the new collection is it nods to Shaker, but it actually feels so super fresh. I mean, I love Shaker yeah. design. I love how pared down it is, but there's something about this that feels truly like an update, which is which is really great. Yeah, that's what I was going for, for the flexibility too, that it can be at home in a very modern space mm-hmm. or a more traditional space. Yeah. In challenging times, we lean on the things that support us, uplift us, and make us happy. In this signature franchise, Domino Editors ask our guests, quickfire style, about the 10 things that are making them happy. From the books that inspire them, to the personal items that tell their story, to the places they love to eat, travel, and feed their soul. Okay, Sarah Sherman Samuel, what are the 10 things making you happy? Who are some of your design heroes, past or present? Kelly Wurstler. I also kind of attribute her to being like the my aha moment when I was fresh out of college, being like, no, you silly, that's not what you wanted. <laughs> you don't Amazing. want to see graphic design yeah. really. Um, so in that way, she's my hero because she dragged me out of it. And then also Alvar Alto. So for people who don't know who Alvar Alto is, he or was, he was um an incredible Finnish architect and designer, fluid lines, round shapes, glassware, bent wood. Yeah. Yeah. He's a design hero. Yeah. I think that's, that's the main one. And that studio that like, there's one photo uh, of a studio that been? I'm like, I just want to live in there. No, I oh haven't. My gosh. Yeah. That is a serious design pil- pilgrimage. Um, okay. Favorite color and color pairing. I'll do the ochre and the light blue. Oh, I love that. Like an icy blue? Yeah. Yeah. Like a light, like a faded indigo. Mm, that's so nice. How they play <laughs> off each other. Yeah. Favorite material of the moment? Uh, I guess I'd have to go with boucle. Mm. That nubby. Yeah. So cozy. Soft, but nubby. Yeah. 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 Just very welcoming and inviting. Mm-hmm. Okay. This may seem far off because we're not we're not going right now. But favorite restaurant <laughs> in 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 the, your distant memory, or well, where you the, can't wait to go back to? Yeah, the best meal I've had recently was at Onda in mm. in LA. So yeah, I'd say Onda. Okay, favorite hotel to go along with that. I'll go yeah. with Santa Monica proper. <laughs> it is. It is amazing. I mean, it really. Yeah. I feel I said it's like my spirit hotel. If if I hired Kelly Wurstler to do my own home, like that's exactly what it would look like. 
I know it is in so of many all ways. Projects, it's my favorite, and yeah. it's yeah, it's so good. Okay, favorite design object of the moment. Okay, so Virginia Sin's new pendant lights. I don't mm. know if they're out yet or just coming out. I mean, she released photos of them, but I don't know if they're available for sale yet. So but I want. <laughs> she works primarily in, um, in ceramic. Right. right. Yeah. Um, beautiful lamps, bowls, like sculpture, really so, so beautiful. And this is um, it's like a terracotta ceramic arc around a globe. Her work is just incredible. Okay. Favorite clothing designer? Has to be Ula Johnson. You are wearing Ula on our, our cover, <laughs> our last yeah. renovation issue, but Ula, they were so happy when you, her clothes really, really suit you. Okay. Favorite book can be a novel, a design book, um, really anything art. I just finished little fires everywhere last night. Um, favorite plant or flower. I know this is also a hard one. Um, I always love flowering trees. So I'd say magnolia. Oh, that's yeah. So amazing. Um, okay. Favorite vintage source. I mean, I guess I'll do online. I guess it's kind of cherish. Yeah, <laughs> so cherish. Plus, Anna's hilarious. So I, I, I love them every time. Oh my gosh, she's so fun. <laughs> around her, but also um, I just as I I said to them recently, like I always learn something when I'm really browsing cherish, like whether it's a designer or a period or oh, I didn't know that this designer, you know did this type of product. You know, I feel like I'm always, it always feels right. like a discovery. Yeah. And also I like how you can search by region. If you want to like, if you need something immediately, <laughs> like I would sometimes um, for sourcing things for a shoot. Or- yeah. Really immediate satisfaction. Get it when you want it. Yeah. Oh, like more brick and mortar gallery half in LA and um, South. Amazing. What is it? South Loop Loft. In Chicago. Favorite way to unwind? I'm terrible at any type of self-care, but I do take a bath every night. So I'd say a, a bath. Mm, me too. I actually, everyone makes fun of me, but I have a playlist that I call like 60 to zero, <laughs> which is like when That's I amazing. really need I it. <laughs> Give me a copy of that. Um, okay. Favorite food? When I was pregnant <laughs> that the crispy rice bowl oh, at squirrel thing. and then they also have it at onda for lunch now which i flipped out when i was just in la because i lived on the west side so it was always a huge hike to get to silver lake to get the squirrel bowl but when i was pregnant i had food aversions like i didn't want anything except that crispy rice bowl and you'd think i would be get sick of it but no i still crave it it's the best thing <laughs> it okay is. amazing Sarah, thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Thank you. (laughs) We'll talk again soon. Okay. I want to thank our sponsors, Crate & Barrel, for supporting this podcast. Trove by Crate & Barrel is a new collection of modern design inspired by global design cities. It's all about fresh colors, fashion-forward textiles, and space-saving modularity. See it online and at Crate and Barrel stores now. Design Time is produced by Team Domino, with special thanks to Alex Redgrave, Linda Denahan, Liz Mundell, Britt Ashcraft, and Ali Elquiza. 
Our theme music is by the talented Alex Weinstein. If you like this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. See you guys next week right here on Design Time.